Hi, this is Emeka and Elandris, and you're listening to the So Far Us podcast, the 30-minute podcast where we break down a trending topic, centering the discussion on the Black millennial woman's experience, and explore what it means for us by answering with, so for us, now let's break down this episode's trending topic. Over the past few days, between the talks of politics, there have been conversations about the Real Housewives of Potomac and a fight that broke out. I don't watch the show, but I've seen the clips. With these shows, production will often put women who are against each other to allow drama to ensure in the same room. And then they'll say how it's unprofessional to throw hands when someone has been pushed to their limit. This week, our host will discuss the double standard of black women and what they face when being put in situations that cause them to come out of character and act so-called ghetto. This is Elandris. I find the double standard disgusting. Whenever there has been an altercation on TV with black women, it's been deemed ghetto or project. Their jobs have been at stake and their actions have been placed upon the entire black community. Where was this energy for nine black people on the Real Housewives of New Jersey when Teresa was flipping tables and snatching wigs? What about Teen Mom, Jersey Shore, Mob Wives, and so on? Are they ghetto? Is their actions a reflection of their community? This is a mecca. So for me, a few things come to mind. First, representation. There's still work to be done in film and television when it comes to representation of Black women and Black people generally. There needs to be a continual push for increased and more diverse representation of Black women. This historical lack of representation has allowed the media to perpetuate the sassy, angry Black woman trope. And I'm sure many of us have faced the angry Black woman stereotype in real life, including at work where one action can all of a sudden be deemed aggressive when you do it, but not when someone else does it. More recently, I've seen discussions about how even the seemingly positive notion of a quote-unquote strong Black woman can negatively impact Black women. There are certainly double standards when it comes to how Black women are perceived and in turn treated. So for us, This means we must continue to work to dismantle these tropes and stereotypes, both on the screen and in real life. So in discussing this topic, there's been a little bit more than just the Monique fight that has brought a few thoughts into my mind um, about the ways that Black women are pushed to come out of character. and then being labeled for coming out of character, I, I really find the mental Olympics disheartening. I find it to be violent. I find it to be disgusting because it's like nobody else has to feel like they're playing into a stereotype or they're going to be uh, a representative for the entire community based on their action. Uh, no one else, I don't see this happening with other communities the way that it happens in our community. So when it comes to terms like ghetto, um, I remember the show, um, 
white people on MTV, the documentary that Jose and Antonio Vargas did. And I had my students watch it when I used to teach. And there was a little black girl in there who said, what is ghetto when the white girls at the uh, house that they were at decided to label something as being ghetto. And she was like, what is ghetto? Because they couldn't define it, but it had been associated with blackness. And she felt really offended by it because here she was the only black girl at the table of white friends and they had utilized the term ghetto to associate it with violence, to associate it with something derogatory. So I wanted to ask, what do you think about the term ghetto and how it's often assigned to the entire black community? I mean, I, I think it's inappropriate to assign it to um, the black community. There's, it's certainly not um, interchangeable. I, I don't like when the term is used that way. I don't use the term because I know some people just kind of throw it around loosely. Um, and I guess that that might be fine for them. It's not something that I really do but um mm -hmm. yeah I mean I I guess I would probably relate to I feel like maybe I've seen that documentary but I I don't remember it um so I don't exactly know what her response is but it sounds like I would probably have a similar response and be um offended if in that situation as well Right. And and she was so young and I believe she was either a 10th grader or an 11th grader. And she was taken aback like she felt like she had to defend not only herself, but her entire community in that same breath of being labeled of something being labeled ghetto. And I've actually been in a room where um, it was a group of my colleagues and I we were discussing a case and. Uh, somebody brought up a Walmart and he was a gay white man and he said that that Walmart is ghetto and all the black women in the room turned around and literally said together not ghetto and because it was like you know you messed <laughs> up because we know what you meant because it was in a lower income community it was in a area where you may not have everything it's not your upper echelon community so we know what you're associating ghetto with, and this is a majority black and Hispanic area. So, mm -hmm. you know, they made it to be so derogatory, but at the mm -hmm. same time, they will take things that are deemed ghetto, like the, the loud colored hair. I don't know if this was something that was pertaining to your, to your city growing up where girls who would wear loud color hair or put Kool-Aid in their hair to dye, dye their hair or wear the long nails with bright colors. All of that was deemed to be ghetto when I was coming up. And so now you see the Kardashians wearing the long nails with a different color hair. And now you see, um, I think it was Vogue calling uh, braids to go into the back as boxer braids. And you know, at one point mm -hmm. you couldn't even wear that on a job because that was considered unprofessional or ghetto. And I think when we look at the way that people are labeling what's acceptable for black people, everything we do, it seems to be underneath a microscope from the way that we act all the way up into our mannerisms. So when I saw the, um, the fight with Monique, 
um, like I said, I didn't watch the actual, I don't watch the actual show, but I was more intrigued by the conversation that was happening online. Like how usually whenever there's a fight, like the fight with Portia and Kenya, uh, that fight led to black women uh, being labeled a certain way and what you cannot do. And you can see Nini trying to console Portia and trying to cover her mouth, try to calm down, but to also not say anything that could further ruin her career. Whereas seasons before, we'd seen Teresa go at it with so many different people. They threatened to throw hands. My wives, they have put their hands on each other and you don't see these conversations being had about their community. It's just pertaining to them. That would be one thing if we say all Italians based off of the Real Housewives of New Jersey and my wives are violent people. And then associate all of that with what we know about uh, gang violence and uh, gang culture and mafia culture with Italians. That would be another conversation. And so when this fight with Monique happened and they, you see all these women's, women sitting around her having this conversation as to what is acceptable in the black community and what does she what kind of role model she's portraying to her daughter, I was just like, why are we still dealing with this idea of an acceptable Negro. Why are we still having to put on this face in 2020 that says this is what a black person should act like? What are your, uh, what are some I mean, ways I that think, that? I think that that kind of goes back to what I mentioned in the earlier segment uh, where it's about representation and kind of Black people and Black women kind of not being afforded the same opportunity in society to be seen as a diverse group. And so mm -hmm. there are tropes and stereotypes about um, how Black people behave, uh, which is often reflected in television and in film. Um, and so I think part of this idea of the acceptable Black person um and our own internal push on each other to live up to that um is because i think it's an attempt to try to push against the stereotypes and the tropes because mm -hmm. every it feels like every time you have someone who is out there in the public and is somewhat well known and they are living up to this stereotype and trope it feels like it's affirming that, oh, it's not just a stereotype. They really are like that. And I think that is where that comes from. But I agree with where I think you're going with that, where that's not helpful for us, right? I think right. a, a better uh, focus would be instead of telling people, this is how you should behave um, as a black woman, as our way of um, going against these stereotypes and these tropes, it would be better for us to address the stereotypes and the tropes and address the people who believe that they're facts um, right. and speak to that instead of telling us how we should or should not behave. It's okay for us to have emotions and to react um, just like anyone else would without us having to worry about oh, is this feeding into that idea of what a Black woman is? Is this setting us back 
further because now someone's going to see this and be like, see, we were right. This is how they behave. They're all like that. Um, right. Right. That, set, that point that you just made about setting us back, I constantly hear that phrase whenever there's an altercation or a dispute with Black women being involved. Like, oh, this has set us so far back um, as a culture. <laughs> this has set us so far. Like, no, we are not set back. By a couple we are of people. In the position. We have to right. be human. <laughs> right. Being human. Because we are in a position that we are in because someone dared to be loud. Someone dared to fight back. And I hate that people try to negate that like we've gotten rights we've gotten opportunities as black women because somebody sat down and was so good and so acceptable as the negro that everybody loved them and we were just like oh hey we're going to give you all of the rights we're going to give you all of the freedom no i mean at- this reminds me of an episode i think one day at a time the netflix version where like they went out mm-hmm. for ice cream and they were loud and they were like, oh, you can't be loud because, you know, they think we're all loud. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like policing ourselves to as if that is what we have to do um, to break down these stereotypes about us. But honestly, if they believe the stereotypes, even if you don't live up to it, they're still going to believe it until you address it head on. And again, I mean... I get the idea of showing uh, various representations of Black women because we're all very diverse and different and similar in some ways, but Mm -hmm. we should be able to be our full authentic selves. That's part of being human. Um, And we should create space for that, right? Uh, Because like I mentioned in the other segment, when you try to police yourselves or police other black women and this is how we have to behave because you know this is how they think about us then when you have reached that point where you want to express yourself um, in a more vocal way because you have chosen to police each other instead of addressing Mm -hmm. stereotype or trope now it's still going to impact you because then when you're more vocal, they're still going to say, oh, sassy, angry black woman. Uh, she's aggressive, right. even though it could be the same level of energy as someone else. Because at the end of the day, um, having black people try to live up to whatever you want to call it when they're policing how we should behave when we're policing ourselves on how we should behave, that doesn't take away the fact that they still believe that stereotype. At the most, they might think you're an an exception. And the moment that you step out of that, oh, see, yeah, you live up to it. So the only way, you just have to address the stereotypes and break that down, dismantle it. Absolutely. And not being able to show up as your full self is so horrible. And I think that it's it's constantly placed on minorities, um, but mainly black black women more so. I've seen it done with, um, when in spaces where I'm the only black woman, but I'm not the only minority woman. I've seen how, you know, certain stereotypes will come out like, oh, well, you know, like the conversations of, oh, Oh, don't get too aggressive. Or if you'll say something and it's like, well, you go girl. I'm like, no, we don't, 
we don't need to do that. You know, and it, it also brought up the idea of what happened to Kamala at the debate with Mike Pence. So people were commenting commenting about the the needle that she's had to thread um, while speaking to Mike Pence as he was lying on her to our very faces, as he was lying about what she actually said while we were watching her say it. And he's lying about what she's saying. And she's making these faces and people had issues with the faces that she made. And it's like, one, we you are either on the side of understanding what she's going through as a black woman, meaning that your face is, is holding back every single thought you really want to say. And you know you cannot show up as your full black self on this platform because you're going to be labeled as an angry black woman. Or you're somebody like Megyn Kelly who had the nerve to say, you know, control your face. I'm paraphrasing, but she decided to say something about her facial expressions and take it like a woman. When you, there are clearly photos of Megyn Kelly's face changing as she's moderating the debate with Donald Trump or she's having conversations on Fox News, you know, and she's being disrespectful and somebody's calling her out on it and her face is just changing. I think that it's disgusting that Kamala was not afforded the opportunity to show up as her full self. And you even have black men who were saying that we don't need any more passive aggressive politicians. I felt like Kamala held back. And so it's like, you don't understand as someone who is not a black woman, the different ins and outs of the game that we have to play, whether it's showing up for our community to our community or trying to make sure that we show up for our community in the spaces where we're not even represented. Like nobody's been in the position that Kamala has is currently in from our community. So she has to navigate herself. She has to conduct herself a different way. And it's understandable as a black woman, but it's disheartening to see, especially minority men saying, oh, well, we're going to get another Obama because of how passive she is. She needs to push the envelope, but you don't understand how hard it is as a black woman that we're still having to play these games in order to get into certain doors. I would have loved for her to show up as her full self, but we, as you and I both know, we can't show up as our full selves when we're being antagonized the way that Pence antagonized her. Right. I mean, it's kind of similar to, um, I haven't studied it in a while, but W.B. Du Bois double consciousness you know to some extent you mm -hmm. know who you are on the inside but then you also know how the rest of the world sees and perceives you and then like you mm -hmm. said you have to navigate that and how you behave and like you said she's on a stage um that black women have not <laughs> been on before um so it's new navigating that as a black woman there there's no example of how right. you have to do that uh, but I mean, I think we can all relate to that, having to navigate these spaces where we are not a part of the majority and you're trying to navigate how people are already perceiving you without knowing you or hearing you even say anything. Um, you're trying to, you know, part of the debate is to relate to people, help people get to know you, but then you also, as a Black woman, have to take into account those stereotypes that they have of you automatically because you are a Black woman. And so obviously that impacts how authentic 
or how you're able to present your authentic self, I guess, and how you right. choose to navigate that, how you say things, what you do or do not say. Um, and, you know, what's interesting about um, the debate, so I kind of, I was watching one, one channel and then a good friend of mine was watching another channel. And on both channels, they had like a black woman who was speaking um, with the other people who are speaking about the debate. Um, and it turned out for, I guess, both situations or both channels that the black women would make comments that they weren't negative towards Kamala, Kamala, sorry, <laughs> Kamala, mm-hmm. but um, that to me and to my friend who's watching the other channel felt like it was generalizing all black women. So when you said mm-hmm. like she's kind of in this position where it's almost like she has to represent for all of us. She's only right. one of us. <laughs> and there are similarities right. so she can represent for us, she can do things for us, but she is not just like every single one of us because none of us are just alike. Um, but, you know, comments where they would say, oh, well, you know, he doesn't know what he's getting to getting into debating a black woman. And to me, that lightweight feeds into that trope about right. black women, um, it's almost going into that angry black woman trope, um, the aggressiveness, right? Because that's what you're basically saying. Like, oh, he's not ready right. for this because it's going to be a whole nother level. Why? Because she's a black woman. And so I felt some kind of way about it. And I feel like if a non-black person had said that, that would have been very offensive. And I think it, Extremely. The, the black women who said it, even though they were saying it in these majority white spaces <laughs> to probably right. a majority white audience depending on the channel that it right. was like oh that's fine for them to say but when you do that you're basically giving them room to continue to think that and generalize us so that means it's a black woman telling us that whenever you encounter black women they all have it in them to be aggressive and you can't win an argument against them so I felt kind right. of uncomfortable about that. And they and the black the black woman on the channel I was watching, she said it multiple times before the debate and after the debate. I think the channel my friend was watching, it was the same. It was a different channel, it was a different black woman. And I know like on social media, um, there were obviously posts like that, more joking though, not like a, I mean, these were, it was a channel with a debate. This, it, the per, the people were not joking when they said it. It was just like right. matter of fact, which, so one, that's different than like the jokes on social media. But also when you think about um, the jokes on social media that I saw, it was usually uh, people who most of their followers are black. So even that right. in itself is different. One, it was joking. And two, it's to a mostly Black audience. But when you, as a Black woman, knowing, in the same way like you said about Kamala, that when that Black woman is speaking on that channel about that debate, there are a lot of people who are going to see that and assume she's speaking for all Black people. She's right. definitely speaking for all Black women. And she's speaking for Kamala. And she is affirming our thought that Black women are aggressive, 
sassy. You can't win an argument against them. Um, and it kind of right. reminds me of some of the discussions that are going on about even questioning the use of what's supposed to be affirmative phrases like um, strong black woman. Um, I think it was Taraji P. Henson who recently talked about even, um, she mentioned strong black woman as well as I think um, black girl magic. Uh And she talked about, let me see. Let me double check really quick before I say that. Um, But I think it was her. And yes. And so she's not saying you can't use it. But if I remember the article, um, it was more like being careful about that because it's, it kind of lends itself to not giving Black women the space to be more vulnerable and almost to be humanized. I want to say in the article she spoke about, you know, Black girl magic, in some ways you can feel like we have some type of magical powers, but if something happens to my son, I'm not just going to, you know, be able to fall on this strength or this magic. Like, you know, so sometimes... It Those takes automatic phrases. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that goes into it. Uh, uh, that plays a huge role into that as well. And I, the other part of what you were saying while you were talking, I, I think it's interesting that we need to point this out. You and I had a conversation about um, how Kamala wasn't Black enough a couple of weeks ago. And now all of a sudden she's like Well, we had an episode about how people were saying that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And yes. So now it's she's all of these stereotypes of black of a black woman. Mm -hmm. And so now is is she now black enough? Mm -hmm. There has been no talk of how what she how she perceived how she presented herself to her South Asian ancestry. There's no talk of that whatsoever. This, there's no talk of how this is how South Asians behave. They don't talk. And she was raised by her mother the majority of her life, who is South Asian, Southeast Asian. I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting. So we we tend to ostracize black women for being loud and and fighting but we have to remember that we haven't gotten into places until someone dared to be loud and fight for what we deserved. Like we can't have it both ways. We can't sit up here and say, Oh, don't be loud and don't fight for what it is. Don't, don't have an attitude. Don't, don't be accepting of what's mediocre. Don't accept less than what you deserve. Because honestly, for people like Kamala, to, to get up there and say, no, I'm speaking, Mr. Vice President, let me finish. Mm-hmm. Like people, I thought that was so interesting because in a lot of ways, other groups have not received certain rights until black people started complaining about certain things about what was impacting our community. And at first it's talked about, uh, oh, black people are always complaining. But then when rights and, and movement is moved forward, it's, oh, I want to benefit that too. So now you got somebody, and it literally was right after the debate, there was someone on CNN, it was a white lady, I can't remember her name, and Rick Santorum. And he said, 
he was interrupting her and she was like, Rick, I'm speaking, Rick, I'm speaking. And I'm like, how is it that something so quick that like something that just happened with Kamala and she was being ostracized for the way that she had to stand up for herself. Now a white woman is now using that same exact scenario and she's being uplifted. I thought that was so crazy. Yeah. And so, I mean, with that, I guess I leave with what we can do is to um, continue to create more space in our everyday spaces like our work environments, where we can bring our full authentic selves without the need to code switch or shrink ourselves to not be perceived a certain way just because we are Black women. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the So For Us podcast. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social media sites using the at So For Us podcast handle. Like, comment, leave a review, send us a trending topic you'd like us to discuss, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We'll talk to you soon in the best place that is So For Us.